and welcome to this episode. I'm your host, Rod Jones. In this series, I'll be bringing you news, views and interviews about the trends, the tactics, the techniques and the technologies of CX, contact centers and the broader BPO sector. This series is made possible by the generous support of Corby Speech Analytics. Welcome to this uh, episode number four in season two of 2024. And my guest today, Mitham Singh. Mitham, hi. Welcome uh, welcome to Rod's pod. Rod, thank, thanks for having me. Um, you know, really, really honored and excited to, to be here with you today. Excellent. Uh, you know, it's a great opportunity, A, eh, for me to learn from you and uh, to share your experiences, your knowledge, your expertise and, uh, and your journey. So uh, I think starting from that... Uh, um, where were you born and brought up? I mean, are you a local boy or Cape Town or Durban? Where'd you come from? Yeah, excellent, Rod. You know, uh, I often tell the story of, uh, you know, where I was born and raised because I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about it. Um, uh, you know, uh, so I was born and raised in, 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 in Johannesburg, uh, and more specifically in, in Indonesia. So I went to school, uh, public school in, in Indonesia. Uh, and yeah, um, spent all my years, you know, uh, on, on the, in the, in the academic field, uh, in, in that side, as well as, you know, on the sporting fields in, in Indonesia. What was your uh, sport of choice back in those days at school and college? You know, you know, I think as any, any, you know, uh, lightiki, uh, growing up in, in that area, um, you know, you kind of play all the sports through the, through the various seasons. Uh, but my two was, was, uh, soccer and cricket and then, you know, went on to play cricket really competitively, um, you know, um, up to a senior level, uh, you know, played one league away from provincial, so Premier League uh, within within South Africa. Okay, yeah. Taking it seriously. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. And then uh, did you go on to college or varsity after school? So immediately after, no, didn't. I went straight into the working world um, straight after that. I mean, I did a couple of, you know, short short courses um, in, in, in the IT side, so things like A+, N+. Um, and then, you know, immediately went into the, into the working world. Um, yeah. And, uh, it's a question I often ask my guests on the shows. How did you get into call centers and CX? What was your entry yeah. point? Was it a, a specific, uh, desire or did you fall into it? Yeah. Fantastic. You know, again, another one that I, I tell the story because again, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing journey. Um, so I, I actually am a graphic designer by profession. I don't even think you know that. No, um, I didn't so, know that. So yeah, that's I'm new. A, I'm a graphic designer by profession. Uh, and, uh, I, um, you know, was, um, introduced an organization called net active internet. Um, net active internet went on to, to, you know, uh, Tiskali and then world online and then became, uh, what we know as web, a uh, web, um, uh, mweb today, right? M-Web. And mweb today. So the, the thinking was get into the, get into that space and then, you know, go and filter into, uh, the graphic design field, uh, from there. Uh, and unfortunately, or fortunately, should I say, uh, got stuck in the contact center doing dial-up support for net active internet. And, you know, today you'll know uh, an organization called net florist that was the yeah. sister company kind of did, you know, support technical support. For, for clients, uh, both, uh, business to business as well as to customer. So I did dial-up support. Um, and then, you know, six, eight months in, the, the company was up for sale. Uh, as I said to you earlier, the Tiskali and then World Online and, um, free internet access by APSA 
was introduced. I don't know if you can recall. I do this. remember that very well. Yes, a CD from the branch. You open a bank account and boom, there you go. I think Santi Boetas kind of days, you know, uh, mm-hmm. from a marketing perspective. Anyway, so um, I then fell into a role there because they were looking for guys to do technical support for this. Uh, and I fell into a role. Three weeks in, I thought, nah, this is not for me, not going to happen. Um, I'm not a guy that's going to do technical support. Uh, I want to do uh, graphics and handed in my resignation. Lo and behold, uh, there was a gentleman there um, called uh, Leon van der Merwe, uh, and he said to me, no, we've got to get you into an area called scheduling and capacity planning. I'm talking, Rod, I'm talking 2000 and 2003, somewhere around there, scheduling and capacity planning. Uh-huh. And anyway, I get to this area, and there's a guy called Aurelio Sansovini who says to me, um, yeah, you know, we, we like what we see. We like your attitude. Um, you know, just sit in front of this PC and tell us a story in about an hour from now. Uh, and it was a real-time screen on Aspect. Little did I know what the screen was, and I just kind of came up with a couple of things, spoken through it. And he said, look, um, we, we, we like what we heard, like what we see. Uh, could you start Monday in a scheduling capacity role called uh, real-time monitoring? I thought, real-time monitoring? No clue. <laughs> but anyway, let me go along. Um, and went along and, um, yeah, and, and started, you know, started um, as a real-time monitor, what we, I guess, call today a real-time analyst. Fast forward a couple of weeks and I became a, a workforce planner. And and as you know now, and I think what the industry probably knows is, is deep workforce planning capability, and that's where it all started. I then went on, you know, through the ranks uh, and eventually ended up as being, you know, the head of head of workforce and resource planning at, at APSA for the contact centers, uh, both in Auckland Park as well as in uh, in what we termed at the time Castile Park in, in, in uh, Pretoria, uh, and spent probably up until about 2011, end of 2011, um, in, in the bank and then joined merchants in, in 2012. Yeah. Just take a, a back step to those APSA days because I, I remember well that uh, call center um, in Auckland Park, that massive, uh, I think it was the first really large-scale banking contact center. I was yeah. actually at the opening ceremony there um, on that day, so I remember it very, very well. Yeah. Um, and then, then you moved on to Merchants. I think that's where we first met, uh, if I recall. So, yeah, correct, Rod. I think we probably met in the, yeah, around 2012, 2013, somewhere around there, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, join, join Merchants as the, as the head of, uh, planning, uh, and, and lo and behold, your, your young man, um, or should I say not young man, because we're practically <laughs> the same age. Evan, Evan, Evan recruited me there. Uh, so Evan recruited me with a gentleman called George Dodd. Um, and yeah, we, um, you know, got into that particular space. So I got into that particular space looking after workforce planning for the estate. So, you know, uh, when I say estate, let me not, you know, go that far. It was Johannesburg, Cape Town and, and KZN, uh, with, with the various brands and it local as well as international. Um, and then two years later, um, you know, I, I got appointed as, as the general manager of support, uh, and, and what was support at the time was MI, uh, workforce planning, quality assurance. Uh, and then, uh, we started, you know, dabbling with custom experience, uh, and more specifically, you know, net promoter and net promoter systems at, at the particular time. Fast forward from there, you know, another two years later, uh, I was then appointed as, um, the executive of uh, transition and optimization. So all new transitions would go via my uh, my team, uh, and I headed up that particular function. 
Um, fast forward a further two years, I was out to pick up. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I just want to take you back a little bit. Um, you won a couple of major awards, if I remember correctly, um, in the space of workforce planning um, and optimization. Can you take us down that road? Because I, I seem to recall it was during your, your merchant's days, am I correct? Correct, correct. So 2015 um, was, was all the local awards at the time. And both, I think at the time we still had CCMG full-blown, you know, and, and I'd worn those uh We'd be best, I'd won those in Johannesburg, went on to the Nationals, um, then um, went into the MIA um, Middle East and, and Africa Awards with um, Contact Center World, um, you know, and, and won uh, Europe, Middle East and Africa uh, in June 2016, I think it was. And then November 2016 was the Global World Awards uh, for Workforce Planning. So went on to, to, to do that, and that was in, in Vegas and, and, you know, won that in in, in November 2016. Yeah, I think, you know, very, very honored to have, have, have been able to represent, I think, one, the organization, two, the industry, and then three, the country, you know, as a, as a, as a whole, I think, because I think it put us, put us on the map and, you know, workforce planning as a skill is, is, is very scarce. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was a real, real honor. Um, just take us down that road into the finals in Las Vegas at Contact Center World. I mean, that's still a bucket list item for me. But uh, describe it what it was like to be there and the size of the audiences and the networking. Um, I'm just so jealous. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, but firstly, I'll take you back to maybe just the Europe, Europe, Middle East, Africa thing. You know, and and uh, here comes this, uh, you know, youngster out of public school, you know, from a very below average background. And I don't want to tell you a pitiful story now because I think, mm-hmm. you know, I've taken the opportunities that were given. Uh, but but th- th- that that was my background. I'm walking into, you know, a London conference where you've got 200-odd people and you're presenting your case to be, you know, known or seen as as a as a winner. Judges, uh, according to the, the process, were in the audience, so you didn't know who they were. Uh, and, and they were judging, um, you know. And so, so that was, you know, it was, it was amazing. And then, you know, coming back with a win like that into, into the, you know, country, back into the industry and people just kind of wanting to have a conversation with you around things like that was just a little bit overwhelming. Uh, but, you know, with, with the right levels of support from family and, and, and friends and, and the organization went, listen, you've got to go on to, to do the nationals, uh, internationals, yeah, or global. And then, yeah, Vegas, right? So the whole thing around Vegas, you, you're flying. Firstly, uh, again, I want to go back, uh, public school IT, uh, now having to fly to, you know, the States to go and do this thing. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was just an experience and a, and a half, you know, you get there a couple of days before because you want to kind of get yourself ready. And then you, you're overwhelmed by what you see in Vegas, you know, and it was my first time to, to Vegas. I mean, I've been to the States, but the first time to Vegas, you're overwhelmed by what you see, you know, on the strip and then, you know, through the, through the various, uh, kind of, casinos and all of that and it was just it was just yeah it's just amazing and then went on to to present at the at the conference you know and you've got people uh from what supposedly this first world country is coming to and have a conversation around can you tell us something more about contact centers not just workforce planning can you just tell us something more about contact centers because what we've heard you say we're really impressed by and this is prior to the actual award ceremony because you you're building up towards the awards before, you know, over a five day period. So yeah, it was just absolutely amazing and a, a very, very humbling experience. And, you know, I'm still humble today, uh, that you remind me of that, you know, um, because yeah, it was a, it was a really great time, uh, I guess in my career. Oh, excellent. Now we're exceptionally proud of what you've achieved there and for flying the, 
BPO to SA flag for us uh, as an industry. Um, okay, back to your days in merchants. Uh, you, you, that business unit that you um, headed up in, in the merchants environment, um, you mentioned it was MI, QA, um, dabbling in CX. Uh, what, what was the vision that you had there in creating that business unit and driving it forward? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, we had these, uh, let's call it silos that were being, you know, driven, uh, and we had heads of, of each of each, and I was the head of workforce management, which is one of the cores that came together, um, but, but uh, kind of drove silos and didn't actually put a full story together for our external clients. Um, and, and the thinking was, let's bring this together and let's start telling a value pro- or producing a value proposition that we can tell a story of. And, you know, my age old thing of MI will tell us what's happened yesterday and what's happened in the past from a trends point of view. Business intelligence will give us some of that, but also start giving us some forward looking views and trends. Workforce planning was all about telling us what was happening ahead, you know, and I kind of believe that I was one of those individuals who was really pushing South Africa around driving 13, 15 and 20 week plans, you know, uh, based on my, you know, banking background, et cetera. And then quality assurance, keeping us honest, you know, and, and quality assurance back in the day was just an auditory kind of function, literally just keeping us honest, you know, and, and it was a tick box to be, to be completely frank. We're just kind of putting a tick in the box and then kind of transform that with the team and, and various individuals and role players, you know, that I'm grateful to have been surrounded by that helped me kind of bring this to life was where we actually started switching from CX, uh, from QA to CX and starting to actually bring together that from a CX perspective where we started doing, you know, customer attribute information and outputs. Uh, you know, we were showing process improvement outputs and business improvement outputs over and above the compliance piece. So really bringing together these three worlds. Um, and I think that started telling a real story where we were starting to add value back into internal clients and then, you know, external, external clients. And then that kind of led on to, um, you know, the opportunity of actually starting a business within a business. And we started a business within a business that said, you know, could we take two functions to market? And we actually took two functions to, to market at the time, uh, in specifically workforce and, and quality assurance. And yeah, that's just been, it was something that again is an uh, honor, you know, um, for, for me to have done and been given the opportunity to do. And I think, you know, we, we had brought in additional revenue, which is generally always seen as a cost center. We were now generating you know, external, external revenue. Yeah. Was it, was it positioned as a business unit providing insights both to on the client side and to operations where you were looking for, um, maybe efficiencies and effectiveness on the one hand and then, uh, CX and customer insights, et cetera, on the other. So what, where did you, what was the driver to create a revenue model out of it? Cause that, that's interesting. Cause as you quite right, you said QA and compliance are often seen, well, most frequently seen as uh, cost centers to any organization. And therefore, in my observation, are taken very lightly as opposed to being front, front and center. So your views yeah. on that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. So look, I mean, it's always kind of seen as a, as a necessary evil, right? And, and, mm. and, Support is seen as that as a cost center, as an SD, whether the banks as a captive contact center, whether it's a, you know, a PPO contact center or any other, uh, for that matter. Uh, and, and, you know, the thinking was, can you bring value and what value can you bring? Because you're a cost center. And 
let's define value for a minute. And you'd go off, uh, you know, defining value in your way and I'm going to define it in mine. And now you're dealing with 15 clients that define it in their own way. And we kind of went, well, let's find a common ground and define value first and foremost for both mm-hmm. parties. Uh, and yeah. then gone, workforce planning then became, uh, the core of, of, of it. Now I'm going to just maybe be a little bit controversial for a moment and you go, okay, workforce planning does forecasting, scheduling, real time management, blah, 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 blah. And we know that it's a, it's core to our business, but what is it? How does it actually influence customer experience? Now here, here's my view is, is irrespective of how good you are from a process perspective, irrespective of how good your leadership and management is irrespective of how good you are from a compliance and a governance point of view, if you get your workforce planning principles and practices wrong, everything else falls apart. Because you now all of a sudden don't have the right focus. You don't have the right people in the right place at the right time. You've got clients coming in, customers coming in, and they're going, I've got a queue for you for a minute before you answer my phone call. Mm-hmm. Now when I'm on the call, I'm irate. Now try yeah. and convince that client to stay with you as an organization or try and retain that client to stay with you as an, as an organization or try and upsell them something. You couldn't answer my phone call, you know, in, in, or, you know, my chat or my message or whatever, it, whatever the channel is. And now you want to try and sell me something else. No, I don't want to deal with your kind of organization. So, and that's just because they've been irate because of, you know, either yeah. queuing for them. So yes. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then drawing the link, between that and quality, and there's a link that I've kind of just drawn for you there. But starting to then have these teams talk to one another and work together. Yeah, and, and we started playing with data and analytics from an MI and PI perspective and saying, well, actually, let's draw a couple of hypotheses here. And that's where I started dabbling. And uh, I don't know if I ever shared this with you before, but I'll share with you now is where, where we started dabbling with macroeconomics. And the impact on macroeconomics on, on, on contact centers. And, you know, we would play with airline data and fuel price. And what is the change in fuel price and the influence of fuel price on airlines? And, you know, so then it escalated and kind of said, well, actually, hold on. Let's think about if there's a change in, in, in uh, oil price and commodity pricing and oil price, obviously influencing commodity pricing and commodity pricing, they're influencing the layman, you and I on the street saying, well, actually, I don't have that extra 500 bucks to buy an air ticket or 800 bucks to buy an air ticket. I'm talking back 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, um, you know, we don't have that to buy an air ticket. And, uh, you know, we would remember things like Kalula being around and one-time airlines and that kind of thing. And now you don't have the, the, the 800 bucks to buy that air ticket to Cape Town or to, to Derbs. And you now have to make a decision on what do I actually utilize that money for? So if I'm not utilizing to buy the air ticket, that means that there's no need for me to call the airline contact center. So what do I do? I utilize okay. that which is something else, you see. So, that, and that's that decision that needs to be made. Then you take it into the telecommunications world and I'll use my, you know, my helper. My helper's got to make a decision on buying taxi fare versus buying airtime because commodity pricing has increased. So my bread and milk's more expensive. So I've got to, I can't actually afford to buy airtime. So therefore I don't phone the, the prepaid contact center because I don't have to recharge it as an example. Okay, and, you I'm know, finding that. this, yeah, this is fascinating. In fact, I, I I see a book coming out of this, uh, sometime in the near future. You and Malcolm Gladwell in Freakonomics. So, uh, maybe it was Freakonomics in their contact center world. But, uh, yeah, I remember when you set up that business unit, um, and uh, the impact that it was having in the environment. And, and in fact, you, it was like a beacon in the industry where we're taking, um, 
compliance issues, quality issues, workforce management. I remember the word in the street about what was happening um, down in Merchants. But uh, just to pick it up from there, because then you hightailed it off to Durban, where I lost tra- track of you for a while. Um, yeah, yeah. So on, I then, on a I, new adventure. Yeah, I then I then joined joined CCI uh, in twenty uh, one. Um, yeah, I joined CCI in twenty one, June twenty one. Uh, I joined joined CCI as the as the chief services officer, um, and the, the intent and purpose behind the role was to was to pull together these areas and functions, uh, you know, uh, and then also kind of look after what they would call. Um, you know, they had a, a separate kind of business unit, uh, called, called Insights. And, and we used to, we ran that, I think, fairly successfully around, uh, elements related to, you know, quality assurance on its own. And then we kind of brought it together as a, as a full picture. And now what we term ourselves, uh, is shared services or operational shared services for, for the group, uh, you know, where we not only look at just local, but some of the, the African pieces. So, um, you know, into Kenya, into Rwanda, Ghana, Ethiopia. Um, you know, and, and, and providing support in, into that and, you know, whether that's, you know, front end support from a pre-sales perspective, you know, supporting the sales, the sales team around, you know, um, new business or, um, general day to day operations, you know, um, and then similar, you know, value back into our clients, um, you know, on a, on a month to month, uh, basis where we're actually taking value to them, you know, uh, and this is a value added service rather than a paid service. You know, and, and clients yeah. are getting value. And clients are getting value from it. You know, uh, so within, within that space. In your in your current environment as as in the uh, services officer, are you still working with those macroeconomics and the the role of quality, compliance, efficiency, uh, HR? Uh, yes, like absolutely. A, quite, so, 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 yeah, absolutely. HR, HR. Just let's be clear on that. HR sits independently uh, because I guess of the speciality around it. And the labor pieces, but yeah, get, uh, yeah um, other... I really meant uh, HR is probably the wrong term. It's it's the the human capital 100%. optimization component of it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. So so still looking after. Let's you know again go through it. MI, BI, WFM, quality, custom experience. Uh, I was I was responsible for for digital for a period of time, and then the commercialization of it. And and uh, you know maybe that leads into the piece around. Uh, the human optimization and now starting to bring, you know, a lot more, a lot more because I think technology is advanced. A lot more things around like advanced analytics and, you know, things like, uh, automation. Uh, and I guess you can go automation started in the 18th century. Cool. It did. Uh, but, but I think technology is advanced where we can now utilize it on a, on a more frequent basis, you know, and things like voice analytics and, you know, uh, you, you'd be familiar with, uh, you know, that, uh, organization that you kind of, close to um you know from a a perspective and hobby perspective and we've kind of utilized you know uh, elements of of that in our business which brought a lot of value to to organizations and you know taking that you know uh, to to organizations but i think back to your point on you know what are we doing around those aspects is really honing in you know bringing macroeconomics uh bots and ai uh, as well as uh you know advanced analytics into play and starting to really starting to push the boundaries around uh prescriptive um and and and, and over and above the predictive is starting to become prescriptive uh, on how clients and customers are going to interact and behave you know whether that's airline or retail uh starting to really push the boundaries on on that front yeah let's let's take a, a trip down a, a it could be a contentious road 
Um, automation and bots, AI, bots, impact of AI on contact centers. Um, I know you, you're going to be a guest with me on a webinar coming up in March uh, on the impact of AI in on contact centers. But what are, what are you seeing from an operational point of view? And I'm particularly interested in in bots and the utilization of self-service. Uh, there's a term I used in a white paper that uh, my good buddy Peter Ryan was in, in stitches laughing about my use of the word over-botterization. He thought that was very funny. But uh, to me, it's, it's something I'm seeing, particularly coming out of the UK and, and now also out in the States where there's been the too rapid deployment of, in my opinion, too rapid deployment of unproven bots, which I, many cases I'm seeing kickback, customer kickback. Um, what, what's your view on that? Maybe you're close to bots that really work and uh, maybe you've got some experience on bots that backfire. Yeah, I think I think it's a combination of it, right? And I think your point on on uh, overbutterization or butterization, should I say, um, is there because I think almost it's a because it's such a buzz today, um, and and you know people are talking about it in all industries, you know, and you think about you know uh, forex trading, and people are talking about utilizing bots for forex trading and actually predicting and driving you know things utilization of you know ChatGPT as an example to drive some of that in terms of giving you almost let's call it tips on which which trades to take and you kind of think well it's to to some extent you know uh, people need to understand where they're going uh, over a three to five year period uh, and and manage the two together or, or amalgamate and integrate the two together rather than just going yeah yeah let's put a bot in for that because it's the right thing well your if your processes are broken uh, and you don't have the right, you know, uh, data points that tells you that you should be doing that, then why are you doing it in the first place? You know, so, so, uh, my, my, my view on it is I think there are bots that are fantastic, that are, that I think are doing a really good job. And I think they're doing really well on the row, on the, the low complex stuff and the very transactional pieces. And I think it's got a place. And I think, you know, from a self-service point of view, absolutely. But then, you know, there's obviously the complex pieces that requires the human elements. And, you know, those aspects, I think, absolutely still require human intervention. And and human intervention, I'm just going to go on a little bit of a path here. I think outside of IQ, we've got to ensure the right levels of EQ. And we know that some of the chatbots don't have, you know, going to have any form of EQ. But then what about, you know, things from a human perspective around SQ and PQ? And, and are we driving, you know, those as organizations to ensure that we can create the right balance for people while utilizing the right bots for the right reasons? And then meeting customers and end customers in channel of choice, you know, and, and yes, I'll, I'll, you know, if we were to talk about trends for, for 2024, you know, we spoke about multi-channel 2012 to about 2016, 2017, we spoke about multi-channel. And then the technology houses came out with, you know, uh, omni-channel. And I don't think we really got omni-channel probably till about a year, year and a half ago. We really utilized omni-channel. People talk, oh, I've got an omni-channel technology piece and I'm doing all of these things on omni-channel. No, actually, you multi-channel because I can't see Rod. Correct. Channels, right? So therefore, I'm not, I'm not omni-channel. So I'm multi-channel. Um, and so, yeah, so, 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 so I think meeting, you need know, meeting customers in channel of choice, I think is going to be a critical piece moving forward, you know. So I'll, I'll give you a simple example. My dad is 76 years of age. He still wants to withdraw his money from the wall. Yeah. An ATM. He still wants to take the money out the wall. Uh, and he's very comfortable with that particular process. And we say to him, dad, but you can just tap your, your debit card these days. 
And he's going, no, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine that little, you know, sim is going to do all of the, the work for me. Um, so, so somebody like that, an individual like that, is going to want to walk into a branch and have a conversation with face to face because he comes back from the days where you used to get a, your 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 book stamped when your you were savings book. Yeah, right? I remember those. I remember those book. well. And you remember those well. I think I come from the same generation as your father. <laughs> so, 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 as an example for somebody like that, an individual like that, you got to meet them in channel of choice, which is in that instance. The branch network. Now, people think, oh, branch networks are going to be obsolete. Well, I don't think so, you know, because I think there's still people queuing to get in to talk to somebody face to face, as as an example. Um, then you fast forward to some of the self service pieces. There are people like my, you know, my kids that would want to do everything via self serve. Everything. Yeah. I would say to make a reservation at a at a restaurant uh, for Saturday afternoon. Now, Dad, uh, can I just find something on the on the web? No, no, no. Please phone them. You know, and that, and the reason is just I'm trying to teach them some other skills of actually, you know, confidently over the phone and all of that. And mm-hmm. no, and they do it literally within 30 seconds on a, on a, on a website or, you know, on a, some sort of chatbot that does it for them automated, you know. So again, channel of choice because I'm going to frustrate them more and more by telling them to phone somebody, yep. you know, so. Yeah, but back to channel of choice, there's some interesting uh, research. Um, you've probably seen it as well. Contact Babel, who does some fascinating research in UK and the States, both on technology and on consumer attitudes. And they've developed a, a really interesting model, which is complexity, urgency, and emotion. Now, if you take those three, um, those are the triggers that will swing something from text-based or digital to a demand for voice-based. So the same customer, the same product or service, but if it moves from mundane to urgent or complex, then it goes to voice. Some interesting stuff there, including some trends in that space amongst the younger generation, the digital thumb brigade. And yeah, so it's, a, it's, it's something I'm watching very carefully because uh, also having a discussion with somebody in the UK fairly recently who started noticing, although there was a fairly consistent trend line in the decline of voice into our CX environment, and it had dropped below the 50% of all interactions being voice, and there's a, a, a almost a trend upwards now, um, and one of the opinions I was given, whether it's true or not, is that uh, given the economic pressures in the UK, uh, energy, cost of living, etc., so, some of those issues that were mundane a year ago are now emotional. And this may well be one of the drivers why there's this blip, which if it's going to continue, it would be interesting to watch it. But uh, it would be interesting to get your views on how one – picks up on those type of trends. Yeah, and look, right. I think, you know, again, I think as you kind of go through the various generations and I talk people generation from, you know, today, the, the 19 to 24 year old, the thumb brigade, as you refer to them, and then from 25 to 35 and then, you know, 35 to let's call it 50 and then 50 plus um, requires, I guess, a different need and requirement. And I think go back to your point on, you know, um, urgency. Uh, and I think a lot of looking and I want to, then bring in the custom experience piece and the things like, you know, FCR or CSET or net promoter uh, pieces that come, come together. And if you really think about the amalgamation of all of that, you know, with time as being the key thing that I want to get in and get out, you know, I want to get in and get out. It doesn't matter what it is. 
you know, um, whether I'm purchasing, you know, a lounge set, you know, from a, a curry craft or I'm, um, you know, phoning you for an airline ticket or I'm standing at the airport, every single one has got a time pressure. So, so, so on that basis, you know, um, and then let's take as an example, the curry craft piece. I'll probably walk in to see it physically, sit on it, feel the actual, uh, you know, fabric, bloody, 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 blah. I'm comfortable. Now that I know what I want to purchase, I go onto the website and see, well, is there a price change? And I'll monitor it over, let's call it a two to three week period to see where's the price change so that I can get it at the best possible price. Now, when I'm on the website, I want the website to inter- to be quick and fast. Right? I want it to respond to me, to be quick. Whether it's my, my fiber at home that's slow, my ADSL or whatever else I'm on as a, as a third party, I want it to be quick. Right, so there's again a time pressure thing, and now I get to a point where actually I've been looking at five different, um, you know, lounge sets, and I've been looking at grey and black as an example. Uh, and when I then call the center to go, can I just double check if you've got stock, or I've chatted to a bot? I want them to know, and guess what? They don't. Why? Yeah. Because they haven't mapped out the full, uh, you know, um, uh, the full chain and the full touch point chain from a from a customer perspective, the customer journey almost doesn't exist in a lot of organizations. And I think that's where some of the gaps are. And back to the point of process, if the business process is, is I guess, a set it's it up. A set up yeah. yeah. You know, and then why, why were people calling contact centers in the 1800s and the 1900s? And, and I exaggerate to make a point, but why did they do that? Because there was a process was broken. You're not phoning anywhere because you haven't been able to get it somewhere. You're phoning because yeah. something's broken. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, um, as we come up towards wrap on uh, something I've been reserving for the end here, which is uh, your views on quality and compliance. Is is quality a component of compliance, or is compliance a component of quality? Um, it's yeah, a curveball, but uh, I'd be really interested. Uh, I'm, I'm in the process of, of writing an ebook around this exact issue. So it's out for peer review at the moment, and I'm getting some really interesting and sometimes controversial views about is quality a component of compliance or is compliance a qual- an element of quality? Yeah, Your so view. I, my view is compliance is one aspect, one aspect of of quality okay yeah um and and it's 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 driven in that manner now yes can we have an argument for against yeah yeah we probably can but at this particular moment in time and my view on it is mm-hmm. compliance is a, is a component of quality uh and and the reason i say it is i guess we've got to continuously find out our business and industry transforming from a quality perspective because go back to the 1800s uh compliance was quality that was it it was the stick yeah. box. Did I say Rod's name three times? Yes, I said Rod's good, great. Did I authenticate Rod? Yes, tick. Uh, did I tell Rod the process means eight o'clock to five o'clock? Yes, tick. Well, what, what, what value did I bring to Rod? And then what value did I bring to the organization that Rod was a part of, whether there was a bank, you know, retail house, uh, uh, airline, etc. I didn't bring any value to him. I literally was just putting a tick in the box. Let's fast forward to, I guess, current date and current state is you're now thinking about what is customer and what's important to Rod as a customer. Yeah. And what's important to him around personalization? Because my view on trends for 2024, 2025 is personalization has to be one. Omnichannel integration, omnichannel integration has to be two. You know, uh, advanced analytics uh, is probably a third, right? And then voice 
and uh, you know voice analytics and visual uh, um, analytics are, are probably four and five coming up closely behind that, right? And then then I guess a level of AI driven aspects. Now, why do I build it in my view like that? And if I take it just a BI stack for a minute, which is maybe a little bit controversial to maybe where you wanted to go around this particular view, but I just take a BI stack for a second. In the old school, you would have a SQL database. Cool. It was great. It was fantastic. It did what it needed to do. Today, we talk data warehouses. We talk data lakes. We talk cloud platforms and data lakes, etc. On top of that, you've got old school reporting. Right? It just does a simple report of what happened yesterday. Potentially, that's just in, in Excel and it's information or some level of insight if somebody's got a bit more push and drive behind it. On top of that, you've got a level of, um, you know, visualization, Power BI, you know, uh, uh, click, whatever those, whatever those are, Tableau, et cetera. Above that, then you started to really do analytics because now you can see the data from a visualization perspective. There's some things that are popping out at you automatically, and now you can actually start doing some analytics. But you're bringing aspects together. Back to the quality piece, you're bringing compliance piece. You're bringing customer. You're bringing outcomes-based information. Okay. A telephony system. A telephony system, and you're bringing net promoter information in. And here's, a, here's an argument that we're having, I think, consistently with it, and good ones, positive arguments, is that you know your quality score tells you you are sitting at 98%, but your net promoter and your customer experience score is telling you sitting at 40%. There's a mismatch here, right? Uh Because you're not measuring the same things. Because why? Old school guys are measuring just compliance here. But your net promoter is telling you something completely different. Customer experience telling you something. Let's explore this because I'm actually delighted to hear you putting quality first and compliance as a component of it. Um, But let's go back to quality because, as you know, in my work that I do nowadays in – in speech analytics in particular, it's taken me right into that world of QA in contact centers. Right? And it just sort of breaks my heart that we go into a contact center, they're, they're doing two, three, four, five percent uh, random call sampling. Um, the youngsters on QA tend to be agents who threaten to leave and are given instant promotion into the space, become a QA, become a QA. And as you said, they're doing the tick sheets. Okay, that's that's a worse scenario, but I'm sure you've seen that and you've experienced that. And yet, listening to you here, QA or quality is the beginning of everything, is it not? It's a, it's an insight into the world of the customer. It's insights into the processes. It's insight into the internal customers and external customers. It's insights into the state of the technology. Those are my views, but uh, yours, yours are more important. Yeah, look, absolutely. And I think, I think, you know, to some extent, you know, some of that specialization from a quality perspective has been botched. Uh, in, in our business and, and the skill has been watched because we go, you're right. Someone wants to exit the organization. We think they've got a good attitude, uh, retain them, put them into this function. And actually they're not quality assurance, um, individuals. You know, it's again the age old thing, but you go back again, uh, late nineties, early two thousands where people were great agents, great contact center agents, great contact center consultants. And that's like, ah, oh, you got to be the team leader. Well, no, yep. they're not the best leader. They're not the best manager. You know, they're never going to be the best leader, best manager because the components are not there. So, so we, we do this and we put the individuals in and they don't have an inclination towards customer experience. And there's again another drawback or, 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 or um, you know, draw between the two uh, and correlation between the two is that they're just doing the tick box stuff. Um, 
But I think, again, you know, you want that individual not to just have uh, uh, the intelligence to do the custom experience, but they have the right levels of passion for it. Because, again, if I walk into, even if it's a filling station these days, I'm monitoring and measuring, you know, the customer experience there when in comparison to a Woolworths or in comparison to a McDonald's or comparison to, you know, dare I say it, a oyster box. Because they're all competing for my attention from a personalization point of view. So when you're doing that, you know, you're evaluating a customer, let's call it you're evaluating a call, old school. Or you're evaluating a chat or an email. And nowadays, who's evaluating the bot? And is there bot evaluation? Yeah, right? That's an interesting one. Yeah. But is there, is there bot yeah. evaluation? And actually, how good your bot actually is? Because the customer was looking for X, Y, and Z. And the bot's providing completely different outputs. But, but I think this is pointing, and it's a, it's a conversation I've been having in a lot of areas, pointing away from what we have for 20, 30 years called QA in contact centers. And with the advent of technologies, I mean, we saw massive kickback from the QAs when we introduced speech analytics. It was seen as, oh, you're taking my job away. Just like 20 years ago, IVR was going to kill call centers. Um, but the turnaround there was uh, in in implementing technology-assisted QA is to take the job description and turn it from QA into an insights analyst. Um, in fact, there's uh, one of the customers, uh, young QA lady, and I've got a, a, a quotation in a little video clip. She said, um, before when I was doing QA, my manager would sometimes listen to me. Now that I'm doing insights analyst, I'm an insights analyst, the boardroom listens to me. Yeah. Um, that was profound for me. So uh, I think you know it's again. The, what is your view on the, the role of technology in doing first level analytics um, yeah. and second and third level? Yeah. So, so look again. Uh, you know, very very supportive of of um, you know the, the the coming together of the two, the human aspects as well as the technology components, and utilizing technology to augment the human human uh, human pieces. Um, you know, through through the, the aspects that are related to it. And again, you know, you can draw a number of correlations between, you know, how do you create that hybrid model for yourself? You know, because you're right, 30%, 5%, 10% of your call, one call per agent per week. I mean, you know, how much of intelligence are you getting out of that? And I'm not talking about just intelligence. And, and, and again, you know, previous mentor and an individual that, you know, kind of helped me through contact centers is to always describe there's a, on the left-hand side, you've got data. And it's just a bunch of information that's just sitting in a database somewhere that's potentially dark. And I wrote an article recently on dark data that spoke about a bit of it. And then you go further to the right and you've got information. Further on in the right, you've got insight. And then to the far end, you've got actionable uh, intelligence. And, you know, information is, again, that Excel spreadsheet that someone's dumped the data, put it into a little bit of a table and sent it to you. But it doesn't really tell you anything. It's information. And that's probably the old school compliance quality person, you know. Yeah. Now you're talking about this, 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 you know, this, this, this youngster you described that's giving you a bit of insight and the boardroom is listening. But that's insight. How do we move it from there now to actionable pieces, you know? And we, we, we're going to, we terming the, the resourcing in our size intelligence analysts, mm. right? And intelligent analysts is because they've got to bring intelligence to the fore. And we're bringing a lot to the airlines at the moment where we're showing you know, a lot of intelligence around it because what they're doing, Rod, is they augmenting uh, or they are combining two aspects. The human aspects that can do the 
very complex, you know, sentiment deep kind of stuff. And getting this piece is around actually we've met compliance. There's a certain elements from a customer attribute or a, a process attribute that's come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is how we can show you that the technology is helping us. So, you know, tools like, um, you know, Corby, et cetera, and speech analytics helping us on that front while at the same time doing the complex stuff here, you know, around it. So, yeah, I, I think it's a, yep. it's a good amalgamation. Yeah, exciting times ahead. Um, as we wrap on this, um, the way forward, where do you see our industry um, call center, contact center, but in your space, the, the BPO segment of the total industry? Where do you see us going over the next five years and, and your role in that? Yeah, so look, I think just five years, just, we just take BPO at a, at a macro level. I think there's an absolute need around what's transpiring, you know, I guess in the US, the UK, and, and, and I guess as inflation and interest rates, you know, continue to, to soar in, in the US, I think uh, organizations will probably look to us uh, as a destination. I think COVID has taught us a bunch of lessons that actually as a South African, as a country, I think we've come out really well and come out strong. And I think um, not just one BPO, I think BPO standing together, uh, you know, as an industry um, has, has come come out really, I think, top end. And I think, you know, some of the studies that have shown that, you know, either one or two from a from a delivery uh, destination point of view. So I think I think more, um, you know, work from a BPO perspective will, will come to, to South Africa. I think on the basis that we've got, uh, you know, the employment rates that where they're at, or unemployment rates where they're at, I think we've got pools and pools of, uh, you know, skill that's, that's available, that's untapped, um, that we can, we can absolutely be, be leveraging. Um, so, so I think we'll first, at a macro level, I think more work will be coming into, to SA. I think if you think about us doing right by the industry and doing right by ourselves as an industry, I think we've got to continue on this path of driving the right customer experience components while at the same time, you know, embracing technology to support that. So I'll talk about things like personalization, things like uh, omnichannel integration, uh, things like analytics or advanced analytics. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, we've got to, we've got to embrace that. I think automation's got a part to play. AI's got a part to play. And then I think voice, speech analytics, visual searching uh, pieces has got a part to play. And then finally, you know, augmentation and social media influence, I think, has also got a part to play. So I think, you know, we've got, we've, we've, we've got it, um, or it's, it's for us to lose, in my opinion, as an, as an industry, uh, you know, over the next five years. And I think we've got to really stuff it up by, by not doing the things that I guess I may potentially just call out. And these are just a couple, right? There'll be a whole bunch of others. I think people will be calling out as, as other players. But I think, yeah, we've, we've got it. To lose, actually. Well, we could go on all day on this discussion. Good. Maybe we must fire up another session at some future stage because it's one of the areas which uh, we haven't even touched on today, but uh, we're going to close on it, is uh, the growth of BPO. Yes, absolutely, bringing more work into South Africa and Africa as a whole. Um, but the whole aspect of impact sourcing, youth employment, uh, the impact on communities, uh, that to me is something absolutely fascinating and uh, something which I think I'd like to dedicate the rest of my career in call centers, which is now pushing 45 years. So maybe I could stretch another five. We'll see. But, um, yeah, right, right. You've got another five. You've got another five in the tank. Yeah, well, like Johnny Walker, still going strong. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Mother, thanks so much for your time and for your insights and for your wisdom. And yeah, I do see a book somewhere lurking in the background there on uh, your, the sum total of your vision, your experience, your uh, way of doing things. Uh, which I think a lot of people would love to sh- know more about that and to share it. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, Rod. Let's let's try to put our heads together on that one. I think you and I probably started something. I think 2011, 2012, right? right? Where we wanted to talk about a putting together a workforce management book and because I had yeah. this idea and this epiphany of writing something in that sense. But now it's, you know, with my growth and, you know, experience, I think it's, yeah, it's wide. And so, yeah, let's, let's. It's, let's a, it's an CX optimization book, I think. So. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, Absolutely. but uh, let's pick up on that and um, maybe catch a coffee or something alternative to that in the not too distant future. Absolutely. Rod, it's been great. Thank you so much. And uh, you go well. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Thank you for joining this episode. I hope that you enjoyed the content. Please subscribe for more regular industry news and updates. And for more information about the remarkable Corby Speech Analytics solution and how this low-cost technology can significantly improve your contact center's performance and compliance, please email me or visit the Corby website at corby.io. Or you can find Corby on LinkedIn. And always remember, dial with a smile.